Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. And thank you for joining us today for Let's Get Moving. With me today is Dr. Dwight Chapin. He is the author of Take Good Care, Seven Rituals for Health, Strength, and Hope. And first of all, tell us about your journey. Why did you decide that this is what you needed to write about? Right. So, you know, I've been passionate my whole career about a patient's journey. Uh, every day I work with patients whose struggles are, are rooted in their daily routine. And, and unfortunately, many people just aren't aware of, of the power or the control that they have over their health, their performance, and their longevity in their daily habits. So I wanted to, to raise awareness of that, of that significant power and control. And, and I thought, I felt like the best way to do that was to tell stories. And so I, I lined myself with 21 mentors, leaders in, in business, sport, media, entertainment, and healthcare, and, and I studied their practices, their approach to adversity, their, their discipline to self-care, and, and their strategies for preparing and recovering from a, a peak performance event. And in, in telling their stories and doing a deep dive into their lives, I, I discovered that there was a common ground to their excellence, and that common ground is, is what I call the seven wellness rituals. And so this book walks the reader through their individual practices and then provides the science uh, that supports the seven wellness rituals with guidance on how to activate it with simple tips and strategies in, in everyone's everyday life. Discuss for us these seven rituals. Okay, so which uh, ritual number one is, is prioritizing sleep, rest, and recovery. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people look at sleep as, as an off switch. They put their head down after a busy day and they struggle with sleep. Somewhere between 50 and 70% of individuals either don't get the quality of sleep or the length of sleep that the body needs to repair and recover. And in sleep, our body is, is very active. I mean, biologically, it's incredible the powers that are at play when we sleep. And, uh, and so when looking at how to tap into that, in, into that healing potential by prioritizing rest and recovery and sleep is, is ritual number one. Ritual two looks at consuming healthy fuel. It's how do we take our relationship with food and, and shift it so that we're developing a therapeutic strategy around how we eat, right? So it's looking at how can we reduce inflammation and reduce the risk of disease and more effectively manage calories by making wise choices with our uh, diet. Uh, ritual number three looks at fighting for your waistline. This is all about metabolic health and, and energy management. In, in evolution, you know, our ancestors were rewarded if in times of abundance, we were stockpiling calories so that in a tough season ahead, we would be able to withstand that hardship. But in today's society, the calorie-rich North American diet and sedentary lifestyle that many live have, have left us with... Uh, an obesity crisis. So 
we're looking at how to how to uh, create an energy deficit and mobilize calories efficiently to reduce risk of disease. Uh, ritual number four is move to, to stay young. And this is all about bringing a variety of different movement strategies to your day, challenging your range of motion, your strength, your balance, your coordination. Not only does that improve the quality of how your body moves, but it also slows the aging process down. So it's breaking up periods of prolonged sitting. You know, I tell my patients to get up and move at least once an hour and incorporate a variety of different movements within that time. So you're challenging your functional mobility. And, uh, and then also looking at periods of time in your week where you can elevate your heart rate and keeping your cardiovascular system healthy. Ritual number five looks at strength. It's protect your strength. By the time we're 40 years old, we are already a, de a decade into decline of, of, in our strength and muscle, muscular uh, stability. And uh, when we practice resistance training with a relatively small investment of, of time, we're able to maintain our, our strength, but also enjoy a whole host of benef health benefits that go along with that. Ritual number six is looking at nurturing mental fitness. So it's understanding your stress response and how your body uh, is, is responding to the triggers or, or not, as the case may be. When we get locked into a, a stress response curve, we are very prone to be constantly on the lookout for threats. And that has a significant impact on, on health and, and longevity. And the final ritual is, is all about having fun. It's, it's play with purpose. And the idea there is that adults that play are happier. And when we're happier, we tend to enjoy not only greater health, but, but improved cognitive function. And uh, the research also so shows that, that adults that play are also kinder to others. And so not only do we, do we notice a, a benefit to ourselves, but also to our communities. Well, happiness is definitely a motivator for most people. You feel better. You want to help others and yourself, right? Absolutely. So what do you find then is the biggest deterrent? We would all probably agree that these are all good things that we should be doing. But but what is the biggest deterrent to actually getting started? Yeah, you're, you're right. You know, when, when I talk to patients about the, the wellness rituals, it, most people understand. I mean, they, they, this is not rocket science that we're talking about. Right. So the real magic is when you begin to stack them in your life and you start to convert them from a, a casual awareness, from a healthy habit to a wellness ritual. And that and that difference is is essential. And um, with with rituals, there's there's an intention, there's a there's a discipline and a weight that comes behind it. And where that passion comes from is in developing an awareness. When we when we have a, a perspective on how we can influence the expression of our genetic code and change the health and performance and longevity in a profound way, then you can start to develop a why, an understanding of, of, of what's important to you and, and why you're going to do these things. That makes these, these behavioral changes a little stickier. So the first hurdle for many people is simply time. And when self-care is added in and you look for gaps or windows in your week to, to find time to take care of yourself, it often gets left behind. And so I'll say, listen, in, in any week, you've got over 10,000 minutes to play with. If you're getting enough sleep, that leaves you with roughly 6,700, 6,800 minutes a week. All right. So if we take 150 of those minutes, that's less than 2.5% of your week, of your waking hours. And you dedicate that to moving 
and increasing the activity in your life, then you can dramatically change the, the course of, of your health. And anyone interested in living a healthy life can find two and a half percent. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So how do we get started? What are your tips for getting us off to a good start on these healthy rituals? So in a journey to optimal health, we're looking to incorporate the seven rituals but what we've learned in, in studying these 21 profiles and what I've learned in my 25 years of practice is that those that do this well, that craft a formula that incorporates all seven, they'll lean on these seven at different times in their life and, and it, uh, with a different weight. Um, and so for someone who's new to self-care and really looking for a starting point, I'll usually say, let's start with getting sleep right. And once we start to get sleep on track, then let's move to getting you moving a little bit more. And when you're moving a little bit more, let's start to explore your stress resiliency. So what are your triggers to stress? How do you respond when you are triggered? What's that inner dialogue like in your mind when, when triggered? And, and from that perspective, you can start to develop more of a stress is enhancing versus stress is debilitating mindset. Um, so that, you know, that's typically a good place to start. Uh, if, if the, the, uh, the patient doesn't automatically just gravitate to one, um, you know, when we were speaking earlier, you had suggested that play grabbed your attention. Mm -hmm. So mo most people will be like, yeah, I need to do some work in that area. And that, and then that's the place to start. I work it, way too more, much. It's, it's more important to start than, than fussing about where to start. Right. Talk about exercise for a minute. What What is a healthy amount of exercise? So exercise um, can, can really be a polarizing conversation. It, it, it can challenge people and, and already set them off. So I like to, to pivot off the word exercise to an idea of, of healthy movement or healthy activity and, uh, and really start to develop a, a perspective of how can we weave movement and exercise um, activity into our daily lives. So instead of packaging a workout into 30 or 60 minute blocks of time, how can we find times to, to bring more movement and, and challenge our physical strength and movement coordination, balance, and all the rest of it throughout the day? So as you jump off a Zoom call, walk up and down a flight of stairs, do a quarter squat, um, curl your, your child or your grandchild as you're putting them in the backseat of your car, uh, do some high knees or lunges, like just find ways to challenge your functional mobility and you can really alter how the body ages. So that'd be step one. Uh, step two is 
is really about uh, making sure that you're incorporating resistance training into your into your daily routine. As I as I mentioned, by the time we're 40, our, our muscular strength is already a decade into decline if we're not practicing. And when we incorporate resistance training, not only do we get stronger, but it's been shown to improve sleep quality, energy, weight management, cuts down on on our our the fat within our organs, our visceral fat, which is highly linked to, to chronic disease. It improves our insulin sensitivity. Um, it's a huge benefit to cardiovascular health, brain health, bone health. So there's a whole a whole um, boost in, in quality of life and health that's attached to, to regular resistance training. And then the final bit that with fitness that I look at is, is building in 150 minutes of movement, moderate to vigorous activity every week. And that can be chopped up into 10 minute blocks. Um, and that's usually done in an activity that is, is fun um, and, and where you're sharing that time socially with, with someone else. So you get a, a boost to mental health at the same time. Uh, and, and for a lot of people, Maria, that's simply just going for a walk. You know, if we were to take one hour a day and and go for a walk after dinner, then we'd see a dramatic reduction in some of the chronic diseases that are affecting North America. And studies have shown that healthy, active individuals have a nine-year biological advantage over sedentary individuals. You know, we can reduce our risk of all-cause mortality by as much as 30% with a simple, uh, simple one-hour walk a day. So those are three of the areas in, in fitness and, and uh, movement that I like to focus on. It's functional mobility. It's it's building in that uh, the awareness of resistance, the importance of resistance training, and then also trying to accumulate that 150 minutes of activity. And then what is the healthiest way to fuel our bodies? Uh, I think there's this is one frustration that I've had over the years because the science seems to change. Uh, yeah. Eat fat, don't eat fat, uh, eat protein, don't eat protein. Um, what would you say is the best way for us to be fueling our bodies? Yeah. So you're, you're absolutely right. Boy, I'll tell you that this is, this is an area of, of wellness and, and, and health care that's particularly challenging. And where I'd like to start this conversation is just simply understanding that everybody's needs nutritionally, they're different. One of the, the mentors featured in the book is the dietitian for um, Athletics Canada and the Toronto Raptors and Gymnastics Canada. And she says, listen, with, with diet, it's not going to help you win the game, but it, it, can sure, it can sure cause you to lose the game. And everybody has to craft their own formula in their own approach. So our dietary practices, our, our, our resources that we have available to us, our, our cultural preferences, our emotional state, our metabolic health, the health of our gut microbiome, our, our genetic code, they all call for something different. So what I've done in the book is I've identified eating strategies, guideposts, if you will, that help people limit the inflammation in their body, gain some control over the, the inflammatory state. So with a pro-anti-inflammatory uh, diet, you're looking to improve or increase the, the fiber in your diet. You're looking to increase the amount of omega-3 fatty acids and increase the, the number of plants and, and uh, vegetables and fruits that you're consuming to get your polyphenols and, and phytochemicals up. They have a huge boost to health and they support the health of our gut microbiome and then choosing healthy uh, fats. So your unsaturated fats like a, an extra virgin olive oil. And then you're looking to cut down or, or a limit 
the the ultra processed foods, the packaged foods, the processed meats, um, limit alcohol to healthy consumption, um, and then watching how you're preparing your food. So choosing um, a strategy with, with respect to diet nutrition that really shifts the mindset towards food being one of the most powerful therapeutic tools that we have available to us uh, is, is an important step in this journey towards optimal health. So final thought as uh, we wrap up here, what would you tell people to inspire them to get moving? Is there one thing that you would say, hey, this is the thing you actually, you should do this today? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to work with, with many um, pro athletes in my career. And, and w- one of my favorites, uh, he's now the GM of the Toronto Argonauts. It's uh, Michael Pinball Clemens. And Michael has, has delivered some amazing locker room speeches and and in one one of my favorites he said gentlemen listen in in life we all must choose one of two pains the pain of discipline or the pain of regret the choice is yours but the choice you make will define your life and at that he turned around and walked out and we went on to have the game of of the season and i think that that's really an important point is the body's healing potential is is profound and it's independent of age or circumstance. And healthcare is changing. We're starting to see that the influence that we have over the expression of our genes changes not only the quality of the years that we have to live, but also the number of years that we may be living. And as we start to identify the hallmarks of aging and we learn how to, to change and, and alter those hallmarks, then we're going to see a very dramatic shift in in human longevity. So we can tap into that with uh, the practice of of regular self-care and by taking better care of ourselves. So I say just be kind to yourself. um, And as a starting point today, get out and go for a walk. All right, doctor, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Maria. Thank you so much. Dr. Dwight Chapin with me today. He's the author of Take Good Care, Seven Rituals for Health, Strength, and Hope. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.